It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's, women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe for six or ten dollars a month at www.theagship.com. Six dollar tier gets you just about everything. Ten dollar tier gets you the extra bi-weekly, not meaning every other week, meaning twice a week, uh, film stories as well as the monthly Q and A podcast. Um, so yeah, go on over there and subscribe if you haven't already. We'd love to have you. Uh, we are season is in full swing here for football. In fact, it's on the back half of the swing now, which is crazy. Um, and basketball is about to about to pick up. We were just talking here before we started recording about just how close basketball is. The next time I will be on campus to uh, to photograph a game will be for a basketball game. That's the next home game for the Aggies, uh, which is crazy. I'm joined as always by co-host Parker Valentine. Parker, how are you dealing with the the fact that the next time a lot of people will be in Logan to watch Utah State play. It will be for a basketball game. I am dealing with that very, very well. I just <laughs> wish it was sooner. Yeah. Um, it's the best time of year for sure. I'm a I am a college hoops junkie. Yeah. Um, and so I am I am ready. I'm I'm over the off season. I'm ready to get started. Um, but the best part is, is football, football season doesn't have to be over for that to happen either. So it's going to be, it, it should be a fun couple weeks and months as we, uh, yeah. as we get into the thick of things here. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about it as we talk, we, we have a little bit of news to go through before we jump into recapping Utah state's 37 to 32 loss to Fresno state. Um, and, uh, one of the news things that we're going to hit on, I think last, after talking a little bit of Olympic stuff is that Ken Palm projections are out and, and looking through those, I was definitely getting the itch a little bit. I was getting the, you know, the, just like, Ooh, yeah, I could, I could go for a little bit of basketball. Yeah. That doesn't sound too yep. bad. <laughs> just, yep. you know, seeing the, seeing all the different teams getting their, their, getting their ratings and seeing and what the, uh, season is going to look like. It's, it's fun. It's a fun time. Yep. Um, starting to get hoops fever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, as, as we come out of winter and that first sunny day, everybody kind of gets spring fever, um, that I I'm impervious to that. I'm immune to that, but hoops fever, I am coming down with a bad case of that. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. afraid. Yep. Yep. For sure. So as I mentioned here, we have a little bit of Olympic news at Utah state before we go any further. Um, both of these, uh, both of the news points, very good for the Aggies, uh, volleyball team gets another win on the board, sweeps San Jose state. Now up to seven and one in the Mountain West, um, they hold a two-game lead in the conference over everybody else. The next team in the standings is six and two Boise State, who Utah State beat on the road um, last week. We talked about on the podcast, uh, and everybody else has at least three losses. Um, Utah State in very very good position right now to uh, to defend again its Mountain West title would be a third straight if the Aggies can get the job done in the regular season with the chance to be a second straight in the postseason and uh, make another NCAA tournament berth. I also just uh, I want to mention shout out to uh, freshman libero. I think it's libero. I don't know how to say the position name. Uh, Cambry, you got it, yeah. yeah, Cambry Rodriguez for Utah State, who was named both the Mountain West freshman of the week as well as the defensive player of the week. She has been outstanding for them. They have quite a few stars, but she is uh, she's one of the brightest among them. Um, this team's good. This team's really, really, really good. They made uh, they made pretty short work of a not very good San Jose State team, and I think they're probably going to continue doing that against just about everybody that left on the uh, on the schedule. They are very, very good. Yeah, they are. We talked, uh, you know, pretty in depth last week or, or on the last show and in the previous, you know, in in the last few weeks about Rob Nielsen and the program he's running. So 
I won't, I won't dive too deep into just how impressed I am with, with him and this program. Um, but definitely good news here as we, as we advance to seven and one with really just a substantial lead on the rest of the pack, you know, most of the teams, um, you know, Boise state number two in the conference at six and two, and then everybody else uh, with at least three losses is huge. Utah state really separating themselves there. Uh, great news. It's a great program. And it's a fun season for for the girls over there. Yep. Also in the news, soccer uh, with a win of its own, a 3-0 win of its own over San Jose State. Um, one of the more convincing wins that this team has had. They are not the highest scoring team in the world. And to uh, to put three on the board is is great news for them. Bad news for San Jose State, which I don't think has a very good team. But that doesn't matter for Utah State's purposes. Utah State is 6-2 and two now in Mountain West play, sitting behind both San Diego State and Boise State, who are each 6-1-1, one and, one. Um, and the Aggies have secured their spot in the Mountain West tournament. They're, they're guaranteed a top-six finish. The top-six teams go to the postseason in this, uh, in this conference structure. Um, and I think importantly as well, and, and this is still a little ways away. I think they have three regular season games left, if memory serves. Um, Utah State controls its destiny for a first round bye. The top two seeds do not have to play in the first round. Um, the Aggies still have Boise State on the schedule in the final game of the season. That's going to be very, very tough. But if Utah State wins out and wins that game, it will have one of the top two seeds. It would get a bye. Um, that's big time, man. That's That's really, this has been Everything that they wanted this season to be, that Manny Martins, the head coach, wanted this season to be, the team is there. They have arrived. They are good. Um, they've been building towards this. They have the players finally offensively that they can keep up with what has been a good defense for several years, and they are, they're rolling right now. Yep, it's always true in sports. You always want to be in your own driver's seat. You always want to control your own destiny. Uh, Utah State, with some big news this week, becoming, uh, you know, clinching a spot in that tournament, becoming a, uh, a top team for sure. Uh, and then of course, in the driver's seat is just, uh, is they, they put themselves in a great position going forward. It's not an easy path, but it's better than uh, hoping somebody else has to lose. Uh, you always like to be in the driver's seat. And so the, uh, the girls over there on the soccer team have worked very hard to put themselves in this position and they absolutely deserve it. And listen, they could do a little bit of hoping that others lose as well. There's nothing wrong with hoping that Boise State and San Diego State may get a little a little bit easier on them here in these <laughs> last couple of weeks with maybe another well, you, loss. You do that anyway. So yeah. You're always hoping, you know, San Diego State loses, and so yeah. you can still hope the other teams lose and help you out. But it is nice to not uh, not be fully reliant on that. You know, you're you're in the driver's seat. The, these girls are in charge of what their postseason's going to look like. Of course, already. Um, ensuring that they will have a postseason but now it's uh it's up to them to shape that however they please and uh it should be you know they're in a great position to to go on a run here and, and have some fun i think yep last note here in the news ken palm projections as i mentioned are out the the uh i think the preeminent college basketball analytical site um, people know what Ken Palm is. I think for the most part, I would hope if you don't know, if about, you listen yeah. to the action, you probably know what Ken Palm is. Uh, you, that is, uh, uh, that Van Dergrim is a circle. I would assume that you probably know what Ken Palm is. If you don't, that's what it is. It's, it's advanced analytics for college basketball. It is the, I think really the industry standard and has been for quite some time. Um, yeah. but those projections are now out Utah state checking in. 
I think fairly uh, with a fairly complimentary uh, rating and ranking, given that Utah State does not have any players who played on the team last season, <laughs> given that it's an entirely new group of guys that Utah State has here. The Aggies check in at 101 nationally in adjusted efficiency margin, which is just the difference between their offense and their defense, um, which is the way a lot of these stats work in determining a, an overall rating and a ranking. It's the same way that like SP plus works in football. Um, the Aggies are 113th offensively in efficiency, projected adjusted efficiency, uh, and 103rd in projected defensive efficiency. I would guess that both of those numbers are probably going to be a little bit. I think offense is probably a little friendly. I don't know that the offense is going to be quite that good. I think the defense is probably going to be a little bit better than that. Um, and, and that yeah. it maybe comes uh-huh. out in the wash, um, but Utah State currently eighth in the Mountain West projections, just behind Fresno State. But there's a pretty big gap um, that I think is just understood generally as well between the top six and the bottom six. The the next team in the conference at, at number six, as I load it real quick, is UNLV with a, a 9.2 adjusted efficiency margin up from 5.23 for Fresno State and 5.21 for the Aggies. Uh, so there's a gap there, and, and that's really the the top six is, I think, going to be the, the, the place where you want to to get, right, if you are a team in this conference, is that is you want to jump up there, you want to be in the upper half of the conference. I guess there's only... I guess there's only the. Well, are there? How many teams are in the conference for basketball? Is it 11 or 12? I can't. It's a, it's 11. For <laughs> okay. Basketball. Okay. For the, now. For yeah, now. Who the, knows what it'll look like? Yeah. The formatting on the website was a little bit strange, but yeah, of the of the 11 teams, you would certainly rather be in the top half, and it's going to be hard to do because UNLV is 77th overall, Colorado State 74th, Nevada 67th, Boise State 63rd, New Mexico all the way up at 46, which is interesting. I think that the veteran guards probably leading the way for them. They had some losses. Um, um, they lost a lot of their front court. Uh, and then San Diego State, of course, up at the top in the top 30 at number 29. Um, maybe even a little bit low for those guys, given that they were in the national championship game not that long ago. Um, yeah, and, and deservedly so. They they did not uh, fluke their way into that game. No. I, I do not think. I think they earned that very... Uh, very solidly. Don't tell any San Diego State fans I said that, but they yeah. uh, they earned that game for sure. Yeah, and it wasn't even really the sort of thing where they just got hot at the right time. Like they really didn't even get hot at the right time. The offense was never all that special. For it was more just like they bullied everybody who they played, which is yeah, that's, they, that's sort yeah, of that's kind of the bad. nature of the beast with them. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a very good conference. Mountain West is projected as the number seven conference in America, um, just a little bit behind. Uh, the ACC, ACC's average rating is 10.29. The Mountain West is at 7.51. Next best conference is the West Coast Conference down at 3.96. Um, pretty big gap. I, I think pretty clearly the yeah. best the best mid-major conference in basketball this season, at least by the, uh, by the standard of the projections, which would balance out basically with what we have seen. I, I think Mountain West has the potential, again, to be even better than some of those power conferences. I'm, I'm looking at you, ACC. I'm looking at you, Pac-12. <laughs> I see you. I know what you're doing out there. I know that you're gettable. Um, so it's, uh, it's another big year here for basketball in the Mountain West, as it is every year. It's always good, and it, it will. I think it will yep. continue to be good moving forward. Yep. It's, uh, you know, we will uh, we'll get more into this at some point, but it is – uh, it's a great basketball conference. Utah State's a great basketball program uh, right now, sitting kind of outside of that top, uh, that pack of leaders. 
Of course, Mountain, the Mountain West had four bids last year. I think they would be thrilled and uh, very excited to make the jump to get five, uh, even six bids. Uh, six would obviously be a stretch, but very, very doable, depending on what these teams can do. This, the Mountain West is is very loaded with talent. So um, Utah State obviously needing to to sneak their way into a little bit of a, you know, get higher up in that conference rating and, and hope that we can uh, you know, keep up with the leaders in the conference, but this is, uh, this is going to be a really, really good year for hoops in the mountain West. I, I can tell you that much right now without even looking uh, too much closer at it. It's, it's going to be an awesome year. Yeah. You heard it here first folks, six bid mountain West soon come really honestly, not that hard to imagine with the, the uh, star no, power, the star power in this conference awesome. and the, the caliber yeah. of team. I mean, one of the one of the lesser teams of that top six is Colorado State, which has probably the best player in the league in Isaiah Stevens. There are a lot of good teams in this conference. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough sledding. And uh, Utah yeah, State, and then lead, led by Nico Medved, one of the best coaches, not in the conference but in the country. Yeah, yep, yep, for sure. And I, I think last year firmly just a a blip for them. I would guess that they are right back to power this season as they as they want to be. Um, something of note in these projections, the, the it includes um, projected record, projected game score, things of that nature in here. Um, Utah State projected with a 15 and 13 record, 8 and 10 in the conference. Um, of note within that is, is not just the projections, which are very loose at this point because nobody has played any games. And also, again, Utah State has no players who played on the team last year. It's kind of hard to know exactly what this team is going to do. Um, I, I think the projections were pretty generous given all of that um, and is pretty high on on the players that Utah State added and on the coaching staff that Utah State is now led by Um, but within that schedule there are a projected uh, 13 one possession games that's a lot that's a lot of one possession games seven losses six wins projected there's a lot of ways that this season can go. And, and even beyond that, you have a couple that are, you know, four or five point differences that would, that would be the, that would be the projection. There are, there's a lot of room for, for this to be any number of things this season, I think for Utah state. Yeah, this is, this season might be pretty hard on my heart um, because it's going to be, I think Utah state really putting together, obviously, as we've talked about a pretty brand new team, of course you can, you know, Danny Sprinkle bringing in a couple guys that he has coached before. So those are kind of returning players, um, but really a brand new team in a really tough conference. Um, there's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some nail biters and it's going to be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was 13 one possession games to be, to be honest. I think that might be right. Right. Yep. Spot on. Yep. And quite a few of them within conference play coming at home, which is good news yep. for the Aggies. That is a good place yep. to play a one possession game. If you're Utah state, um, yes, it that, is. that would include games like Nevada games like Boise state, uh, San Diego state currently projected as a five point difference, New Mexico, a four point difference. Like there's a lot of games that could go, that could go a lot of ways this season, and Utah State has a decent chunk of those coming at home. Um, also projected yeah. currently as a one-point favorite over Colorado State at home. Some really, really good games coming to the spectrum, as they always do. Um, so that is uh, something to something to look forward to. Um, now something to look back on is this football game, which I uh, referenced at the top. There's a whole lot to talk about in this loss. Um, where do you Where do you want to start with this? Yeah, there's a there's a lot happening in this loss. I 
this Utah State team is weird and they are they do weird things to my mind, man. Um yeah. I feel often better after losses than I do after wins. Um going back to really the JMU loss, this Fresno State loss, I really liked what I saw. Um but then of course we talked about the Yukon win and I was really kind of disappointed in what I was seeing. This yeah. team is weird. Um unable to really pull this off uh what would have been an upset against fresno state they led late in the game with with just over four minutes to go they took the lead um unable to hold on to that of course you mentioned uh, utah state loses 37 to 32 at home they left i think a lot of opportunities on the table they made a lot of mistakes but they played hard nonetheless they played really really well at times and um, left me with a lot to feel good about going forward into the rest of our schedule. Yeah, and, and I'm not the first, certainly, to note this. Um, I don't know if anybody has come out and said it this definitively, but I, I will. I'm will. I'm this. I'm this high on Air Force and James Madison and, and Fresno State that I'll say this. Uh, Utah State has lost to four teams that should be ranked in the top 25. Um, the the four losses on the schedule yes. here yes. at Air Force at Iowa, which just beat Wisconsin and is seemingly now in complete control of the Big Ten West, which is not a good division, but it is still the Big Ten West. Um, yeah. They they still have the logo and all of that stuff. Um, and that was a different Iowa team a little bit than the one that is playing now, maybe a better one, even that, that Utah state played to a 10, a 10 point game. Um, not a 10 score game. Iowa is not capable of a 10 score game. That is not, <laughs> they don't score 10 times in a football. They don't they, score 10 times in a month. That's not something that they're yeah, interested in doing. Yeah. Um, no. but a 10 point game there, Utah state loses at air force, which I think is ranked. I believe Air Force is in the top twenty-five. I've not. I've not looked. Yeah, at the... they snuck in. I have it right here. They are twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two in the nation. James Madison receiving votes. That um, is. Votes. It is ridiculous that James Madison is not in there. Come on. I I Jim. agree with that. And so I'll, I'll I'll I will add to that. Utah State has lost four games. Um, those four teams have a combined two losses. Yeah, yeah, and two. they've they've played. And one of them, Iowa, was. To number seven, Penn State. Yeah, and the other came in Laramie against a very good Wyoming team. Like right, it's yes. it's uh, these are good teams that Utah State has lost to, and Utah State has been competitive in all four of those losses. And eventually, you need to win those games, you know, to, to achieve what you want to achieve as a as a team. And and Utah State now pretty well behind the the eight ball and competing for the Mountain West would need a lot of things to happen. It's not impossible, but it would it's hard. It's hard. They lost to I think two of the three best teams in the conference and they don't get to play the third one in Wyoming, which is maybe for the best. Cause I would not want to play Wyoming under any circumstances. If I was a football player this season, I would not want to play Wyoming. Those guys are, nobody should that's... look at this Wyoming team and think, man, I wish I could play, man. They I wish are... I had the opportunity to get just murdered by these guys for 60 minutes. No, thank you. I'm... Yeah. Yeah. I really wish <laughs> Craig Paul would just come in and make a fool of me and yeah. make me look silly for 60 minutes. Um, yeah. No, they, they are playing really well, playing in a way that I think is just frustrating to play. Wyoming, I will also note, is receiving votes. And so yeah. uh, they are left off of our schedule, but they are uh, obviously in the conference. But um, yeah, it's it's probably a blessing. As a fan, it's fun. That's a fun rivalry. Yeah, this is probably the, a good year to, to put that on ice for 
for a season. Yeah, probably a good year to miss those guys. Probably a good year to miss those guys, um, as their opponents would tell you. Would much rather not play them this season. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, all four of the teams that Utah State has lost to, it has been very competitive against, and all four of them are very good. Um, I, I think Fresno is probably the one with the, the least top 25 cal- uh, you know qualifications because it does have that loss to Wyoming, but this is a team that beat two Power 5 teams on the road, shut out one of them. And Arizona State's not good, but it's a Power 5 team, and, and Wy- or, uh, Fresno State really did not have any, any trouble there. Um, Utah State has lost to very good teams, and I don't think that this was any different. I think this was a loss to a very good team. I think it was also... In, in watching it back, in you know writing about the game, um, I would agree with, with Blake Anderson's assessment after the game that this was the best Utah State has probably played this year. This was the most complete game Utah State has played. The result is not what you want for that, right? You, you don't want to... You don't want to be coming out of a game saying that's the best we've played and also we lost. Um, but this was a Utah State played for four quarters. Utah State gave a full effort, a complete effort against a very good team and had several opportunities, like you said, to to win the game, to pull off the upset. Could not get it done at the end. We're going to talk about the last couple minutes of this game, but. Utah State was right there with a really, really good opponent, an, an opponent that uh, I thought played really well uh, as well. I thought Fresno State was very much obviously up for the task. Logan Fife had probably his best game ever at, at quarterback, which is one of those things if you're Utah State, you're kind of frustrated about. But also, I thought he played really well. And sometimes some guy, you know, sometimes guys go and make plays, and, and Fresno State had a lot of guys who went and made plays. I thought their defense, despite the fact that Utah State gained a ton of yards, which we're going to talk about as as well. I thought their defense was situa- situationally really good, and that really it was it was situations that that decided the game. It was late in the game, not being able to to get off the field, not being able to put the ball in the end zone on the last drive. Um, but it was also beyond that, just struggles on third down, struggles in the red zone issues with a couple a couple mistakes that just mean that much more in this sort of game that are amplified and 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 can can become a lot more decisive in this sort of game than they are against a team like Colorado State or you know some of the other teams that Utah State has played this season not a ton of them some um the three wins probably uh and uh it's it's you know for Utah State I think that it is important for these guys to to center that and to understand that like Sometimes you lose to a really good team and you're really close and you don't do it, but that does not mean that like Utah State has, I I don't think Utah State has anything to be ashamed of here. I don't think Utah State should leave this game feeling anything other than confidence about what it can do over the last five games on this schedule. That was really what I took from it watching it live, what I took from it watching it again. Um, from from listening to Blake, from writing about it, like this is another step for this team into being good. I think they're good. I think they're I think they're full on good. Yes, yeah. It's just a matter of you know, Fresno State is great and has been, and there's a difference. There's a there's a margin there that is defined by situational play, by by little mistakes, by miscommunications in key moments, and Fresno State didn't have those, and Utah State did. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely be of two minds about a loss like this. I understand being disappointed losing a winnable game, but you also played probably more competitively than a lot of people were expecting you to do. Um, Again, looking at Utah State's schedule and results, 
Uh, the Aggies have not lost a game to a team that they should have beat, I don't think. Um, Fresno State is the better team, and better teams win one-possession games like this. This is this is what the better teams do. Better, better teams, of course, in this case, being Fresno State. Uh, the Bulldogs leave fewer opportunities on the table and, uh, you know, convert more on third down and, and do those little things throughout the game uh, to win a very close game. Utah State just behind, but we also have seen uh, Utah State be on the other side of this again, uh, namely against UConn. Uh, Utah State, the better team, they win a one possession games. They uh, That one possession game, they do enough throughout the game. So um, I understand being frustrated about the missed opportunities, but um, Utah State did lose to the better team. And there is, in my mind, you know, looking back at the big picture, nothing but uh, optimism that you should feel, especially going into a favorable rest of the season. Yeah. Um, Fresno State really did just, um, I, they outplayed the Aggies for sure. Um, but I hesitate to say that because it never felt like we were getting run off the field by these guys. It never felt like we didn't belong. It just felt like they were slightly better and made slightly fewer mistakes and maybe were, were slightly smarter. Um, that's really what it came to, you know, came down to. And that's why we lost by such a slim margin instead of getting, you know, blown out or, or winning it. They are just, they're better, but only just. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the last little bit of the game is kind of a, you know, a, a microcosm of that is kind of it, it exemplifies the entire the entire game and the dynamic that was at play here, where Utah State goes into the fourth quarter trailing um, 28-17, had outgained Fresno State in the third quarter, but was outscored 14 to three. First, first things first, you can't have that. You got to put points on the board, and, and Utah State. In the yeah. third quarter, did not do a good enough job of doing that. Had had one drive. I wrote about this in the cover story. Um, had its its first drive stall out and kicked a field goal. Um, second drive, I think, was the one where it, uh, it it ends on fourth and six. It had been very good, and then they get down into Fresno State territory and just kind of freeze up. Uh, and then the third one is the weird screen pass that was intercepted. I don't really know that that was. I don't. I don't think it was really Cooper Lagaz's fault. Um, just kind of a busted play, and, and, and Fresno State goes and makes a play. Um, and, and so Utah State goes into the fourth quarter trailing and, and needing to needing to fight back. It does that. Utah State goes out, um, drives down the field early in the fourth quarter, finds the end zone with a 43-yard touchdown pass to Terrell Vaughn, um, and then a, kind of a weird uh, two-point conversion where I think Jalen Royals on this sweep was supposed to throw the ball to Brock Lane, but Brock Lane was not open, and so Jalen Royals just was faster than everybody else and, and got to the edge anyway and still scored. Um, Fresno State drives down, kicks a field goal. Big stand for the Aggies in, in, in a goal line situation there to hold that to a field goal. One of the few times that they really held up in a short yardage situation and, and, and kept Fresno state out of whatever it wanted to do, whether it was a first down or a touchdown. Um, and, uh, and then Utah state drives down with, like you said, about four minutes left, finds the end zone on a, it was a really nice drive. It was uh five plays, 85 yards in, in two minutes. And, and Russell Faison is the one who finishes it off, just bouncing off of guys on a 24 yard touchdown run. Um, but Fresno State last last four and a half minutes or so was just better. Fresno State drives down the field without really any problem at all, finds the end zone. Utah State gets the ball back with a little more than two minutes left, gets down into Fresno State territory, and then that's it. First down was uh, there was too much pressure, 
Cooper Lagaya was forced to scramble. I thought made a made a good play to extend the play. Um, could have been a great play had he seen Micah Davis down the field because Micah Davis, I'll tell you, was wide open. He was wide open. They just, I think Fresno State just lost him, um, and he would have walked in for a touchdown. But Lagaya was under a lot of pressure and uh, just trying to stay upright, stay alive, get to the sidelines, live to live to play another down. You can't really fault him too much he did not have a ton of time to throw on that play and then the second down play um I I I think that the the complaints from quite a few people including Blake Anderson after the game of a of a pass interference of wanting some sort of penalty called on on Maurice Norris Jr. who was in coverage on Terrell Vaughn I think it's fair I think it probably was a penalty but it wasn't called and you can only work with what was called, and, and what was called was an, an interception, a, a clean interception on a pass to Terrell Vaughn, probably kind of an ill-advised pass to Terrell Vaughn. Um, and, uh, and Fresno State makes the plays that it needs to make in the, in the biggest moments and gets the job done. Utah State not able to get the defense to stop it needed, not able to put the ball in the end zone. That's the difference. Uh, you know, that's really... That's really what it came down to in the in the most literal sense. It came down to a couple of series, a couple of plays, and, and Fresno State was better on those, you know, in those situations. Yeah, um, that was a, you know, that final play of the game, of course, or the final play of, of our drive, that interception thrown by Cooper Lega. Um, very frustrating. Uh, no call from the referees. There were a couple, um, there were a couple questionable calls and a couple of questionable things throughout the game that I think are warranted. A little bit of frustration is warranted. Um, and we can, you know, we'll talk about that in a second as we talk to talk about some of these missed opportunities. Um, but this is, yeah, it was um, ill-advised throw probably whether or not the, there was holding, there wasn't any laundry on the, on the field uh, and Cooper still threw the ball uh, really right to uh, Maurice Norris. Um, that last four minutes of the game though, you, you say, you know, as you say, uh, Fresno State was the better team, um, but that was kind of a microcosm of the game. Utah State played really, really well in those last four minutes, just unable to come, you know, overcome some of those mistakes. Uh, there was a moment as Utah State scores to take the lead. Uh, it really did feel like Utah State was going to win that game, even as Fresno State marches back down the field and scores quite quickly. Um, giving the ball back to Utah State with two minutes to play, um, that's not a position that that teams want to be in uh, down uh, uh, that's not a position that teams want to be in. Yeah. Utah state is built to go fast and they're built to win in the fourth quarter. Um, so Fresno state really just beating Utah state at its own game. there, just outlasting the Aggies in the fourth, uh, because that's what Utah state's built for. Utah state is built for a two minute drill to, you know, win the game and just gas you. So very impressed by Fresno state being able to just prevent that from happening. Um, but it did feel like I said, I mean, I was in the fans and I in the stands and I really did feel like we were going to pull that off because uh, that's just what you've kind of come to expect from this offense. Yeah. And, and it, the drive I think started and, and was generally going about that way. Utah state was down to the, the Fresno state 44 with like a minute left, um, had the time, you know, had the timeouts. I think they had two timeouts at that point um, to, to, you know, try and get into the end zone. And then, it just kind of I, the I, the moment that precedes the moment the the situation that sets up the interception is one of those little mistakes and it's something that isn't even it doesn't show up on the stat sheet but you could see it in the game you can see it on the replay there was a miscommunication on that second and nine the after after the guy keeps the play alive gets out of bounds 
doesn't take a sack, um, you know, lives to play another down basically after that, the first down that could have easily been a sack. There was, I, I think Utah State probably should have had a, a second extra pass blocker in for that moment because Fresno State was was blitzing pretty heavily um, at that point in the game. And Davon Booth on one side of the formation does an excellent job in, in blitz pickup and, and really keeps Lagaz left side clean. But on the right side, you have a backup right tackle in the game with, with Calvin Knapp, who I thought played really well outside of that moment, basically. But he was beaten off the edge, and, and Lagaz really <laughs> kind of dead to rights for the defensive end, manages to escape, keep the play keep the play alive, move the ball forward just a little bit. Um, but as Utah State is trying to set up for second and nine, the play clock the play clock is ticking down and the Aggies just don't seem to know what they're doing. Just didn't seem to have I, I don't know if they just didn't have a play. Uh Blake did not elaborate on it after the game, but he runs over with, with the clock ticking down, calls a timeout, they come out of the timeout, Fresno State has a chance to catch his breath. Uh Utah State comes out in I I think curiously and I, I don't I don't love this decision comes out in the same formation um, as it showed before the timeout. Seemingly, I would assume the same play that it was planning to uh, planning to run, and it looked like Fresno State knew it was coming. It, it looked like Fresno State knew what play to expect and was ready for it because pretty much everybody was covered on the on the play. Um, there were not a ton of good places to go with the ball. Like uh, Micah Davis was maybe kind of open on the sidelines on a on a hook route, but it would have been contested. It would have been a tough throw. Um, and, uh, Fresno state was just ready for it. Fresno state had the, the chance to catch its breath. And I think that was it. I, I, Utah state, the offense is so contingent on that tempo on keeping the defense off its, you know, off its game and keeping it unbalanced by going fast, by doing things well in both the run and pass game, but also by doing it at such a breakneck pace that the defense is worn down. They're not, they're not thinking straight. You have blown assignments. You have guys who aren't in the right place. And Fresno State had the time to get itself gathered and get a get a play in that it was, you know, exactly what they needed in that moment. Um, and it's just, you know, the miscommunication will be talked about a lot less than the interception because the interception actually happened on the on the field and you could see it. But the miscommunication is what set it up. And I, I don't know I don't know where that came from. But you got to have a play there. You got to have a play ready to go. And Utah State seemingly just just didn't. Yeah, it's it is frustrating to see stuff like that. And again, football is different than basketball, as we as we say all the time. But you don't want to come out of a timeout and turn the ball over pretty much immediately. I mean, that's uh, that's something that's talked about. I think a lot more in basketball, like coming out of uh, the, that play after a timeout. But having a timeout and uh, coming out without a play that works is very very frustrating. That's not what you want late in games. Um, and then even even later on, Fresno State does get the ball back, and it, it would have been nice to have two timeouts. You know, you didn't want to yeah. um, burn that extra timeout, I don't think, especially when it, it didn't result in, in anything as we're no. trying to uh, find the end zone there. Yeah, and the clock was stopped, right, because Lagarde runs out of bounds on the play before. And so it was really just yep. uh, it was a it was a it was a timeout that Blake really, really did not want to have to call. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is you never want to call timeout <laughs> with the clock stopped. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's they're pretty it's important. Rough. They're pretty important at that point in the game too. You know, it's yeah. it's you you stop the clock. You don't need to. You don't have. You shouldn't have to do it again. Um, and there were there were several moments like that in this game where not necessarily just miscommunications, but where Utah State is you know limited by a mistake by a small mistake, and I think that 
offensively, it was largely penalties. It was largely just poorly timed penalties. There were a couple smaller, just procedural things. There was a false start on uh, on Ralph Reyes, who which which basically ended the ended the drive, uh, forced a, a first or a second and fifteen that Utah State couldn't get back from. Um, I'll say Utah State expects to have starting tackle Cole, Cole Motes back this upcoming week. That's uh, good news. That's good news for the Aggies. I, I think Ralph Frias is a is a good run blocker and a big guy. I don't really know that he has the quickness to play tackle, which we, we've said on this show before. He struggled here. Um, he struggled pretty significantly um, and has for a while now at left tackle. I'm just not sure he has the, the quickness to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, you have, you have other penalties too. You have a, I think second quarter, I think it was the second quarter where Utah State's facing third and 10 in Fresno State territory dials up a perfectly timed slip screen for Rasul Faison, who takes it 41 yards to the house. And then it comes back on a, a hands to the face call on Teague Anderson. That was just totally unnecessary. He, he did, he was the right tackle on a screen going to the right. You don't need to do that. You don't have to. You don't have to block that hard on that play. Just yeah. let the guy pass you. You don't need this to be is, doing yeah. that. This is what I did want to talk about. It's it's frustrating. So, early, yeah, I think it was early in the second quarter, right, where um, Razul Faison, touchdown, called back for a, a hands-to-the-face call. And what was weird about this call is after the game, Blake Anderson talking uh, in the press conference, he talked to the ref after this game, and the ref, I guess, came over and said, "Hey, that that call wasn't egregious. You know, I, I probably could have not, probably could have not called that." Yeah. Um, which is an extremely, extremely frustrating thing yeah. to hear yeah. <laughs> as a fan, because the number one thing, and this is something I, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, with the Colorado State Boise State game, which we'll get to, you know, later on in the show. Um, refs should not have an impact on the game. Refs yeah. should not ever have an impact on the game so to call to bring back seven points off the board on a call that you immediately tell the coach like hey that wasn't bad um is really frustrating i will say i went back and you know i rewatched this game and i I, the call was there i mean it wasn't yeah i don't know that it was a bad call if you wanted Um, if you wanted to call it you could find it it was not that hard to like yeah he probably he probably did it but in that situation it is that's a big that's a big call to make and he it's it's not like the ref threw it after you know as as Faison's running down the field like he called it as it happened i think you can understand where he was coming from but um if you're if you're a coach and the ref comes over after you have a touchdown taken off the board and uh, it was compounded with a, an unnecessary roughness call on, on Wyatt Bowles that turned a touchdown into, I think it was like third and 39 or third and 42 or something like yep. that. It was yep. some ridiculous number. It was not nothing in the playbook for that one. Um, if you're a coach and the ref comes over after that and says, ah, you know, I could have gone either way. Don't tell me that. <laughs> don't go yeah, over just, and say just that don't to even, me. I'm yeah, going to be thinking about that for the that. rest Very of the day. Don't tell me that. Yeah, because that—I mean—that was at the point. I think it was seven-seven. That would have put Utah State up fourteen uh, to seven, or at least thirteen to seven at the time. Uh, really, really frustrating. Uh, that's just stuff that you can't have. Um, if you're a referee, either make the call and and stick with it, or don't make the call and stick with it. Really frustrating to kind of have that. Uh, that's that's just poor officiating. You don't you don't kind of go back on yourself like that. Yeah. Um, but again, it's not, it's not the ref's fault. It is Utah state's fault. Utah state needs to capitalize on that, that situation uh, to go from a touchdown to being forced to punt is really, really frustrating. You can be frustrated with the refs, but you can't blame the refs. Uh, and I do understand the frustration there, particularly, particularly with that. 
uh, referee, but man, Utah State, uh, they did it to themselves, you know. Anytime you take a touchdown off the board and have to punt, that's on you. And that was uh, that's just one of those little mistakes or little opportunities that they left. Um, you you got to convert when you're in the red zone. You got to convert more than they did. Yeah, that was that was a that was a big one early, uh, early in the. I think it was second quarter, right? Was that early in the second? Yeah, quarter? yeah, second quarter. They were a little ways outside of the red zone, but they were. It was a scoring opportunity, and they had several right, of those right, that, right. that ended with nothing. Um, where especially uh, not just in the second quarter, in the third quarter, it was a huge issue of getting down into, you know, prime scoring territory. Uh, let me get the actual yardage here on these drives. Yeah, first drive of the third quarter, Utah State gets all the way down to the Fresno State twenty-five as a second and nine from the twenty-five. Um, does not does not really get anything going on second down. Gets a sack. Uh, third down and an eleven completion for seven yards. Kicks a field goal. Uh, next drive, Utah State gets down all the way to the Fresno State 34, goes forward on fourth and six, does not convert. Uh, drive after that, Utah State is down to the Fresno State 28 before it is intercepted. Like, that's that's three big scoring opportunities that you get, you know, three points from. Um, you got to have more than that. And, and, and Fresno State generally, when it, was at, when it was in scoring range, when it was inside of the Utah State 40, it took advantage. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, yeah. you know, they, they had the... They had the field goal in the uh, in the fourth quarter, but like Fresno State was good in scoring situations, and Utah State really wasn't. Utah State scored plenty, and we're going to talk about all of the good from this game. But I think we probably need to get the bad out of the way first. And one of the bad is that this is—I know it's an explosive offense. I know you can score from anywhere, but you need to score when you're within scoring range as well. You can't just score on big plays. You got to you got to find a way when the field is compressed to still move the ball and and still find ways into the end zone and. Utah State just didn't do, just didn't do a great job of that. wasn't wasn't super crisp in those moments. I think that a lot of the other mistakes for for the offense were just little execution things, getting blown up at the you know at the line on big plays. For the most part, I don't think that they Utah State really did not allow very many havoc plays. There were not a ton of you know sacks, not a ton of tackles for loss. I think Fresno State had three sacks. The rushing attack was stuffed for, you know, zero yards three times, and that was it. Um, but just big moments that those happened in. There's your first drive of the game, third and two, Utah State hands the ball off and just gets beaten up front. And you just can't you you can't have those lapses in your assignments. You gotta do you gotta do your job. It was not like Fresno State had these brilliant, you know, defensive plays. They just had it schemed out. Like there were a couple plays where that happened, but there were a lot more where same with the busted, you know, the busted protection on the perimeter on that screen that gets intercepted, just not executing the right way in those big moments. And, and that's, that'll cost you in this game. It won't against a lot of teams. I think Utah State is good enough to overcome some little mistakes against a lot of the teams left on its schedule, if not all of them. But that is the difference between a very good Fresno State team and a, U- and a Utah State team that is still, I think, learning how to become a very good team. I think Utah State is good on the strength of its of its talent. I think that Utah State can only be great by eliminating those issues because Fresno State didn't make those. And, and generally, yeah. when you look at these teams, when you look at Air Force, Wyoming, Fresno State, you see them doing those little things right. They don't get blown up on third down. They don't have penalties that wipe touchdowns off the board. They don't have miscommunications in key moments. They're crisp, they're efficient, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, there was another one um, just off the top of my head in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, where um, Utah State has a fourth and inches situation, uh, throws a 13-yard pass to Brock Lane. Uh, seemingly, you know, at that point, you convert on fourth and inches with a 13-yard pass. 
Uh, things are feeling good. You have a ton of momentum. Cooper Lega makes like a 30 plus yard pass to Robert Briggs, putting them yeah. close to, if not at the red zone. And it gets called back for an unnecessary roughness. Uh, it was, uh, the call was like uh, blocking a defenseless player on the defense, which like I've never, or on the offense, I've never seen anything quite yeah. like that. It's a call I've never really seen before, but just because I've never seen the call doesn't mean it was a bad call. Yeah. Um, I went back and watched it. It was it was Maui blocking a guy who kind of fell gra- fell to the ground, and as he gets up, Maui hits him again on the back. Yeah, you can't have that. You Don't can't have that, that on a play where you pick up thirty yards. You know, yeah. and that's uh, that drive did end up with a Jalen Royals touchdown. So I guess all is well that ends well if you want to think that way. But those are the penalties you cannot have. The ball was out. Cooper did not have the ball anymore. Um, let the guy get up. You yep. can't cost your team yards like that as you mentioned fresno state doesn't do that that's why they win more games utah state has had that uh they've they've kind of battled with that all year it's just struggling to get out of your own way and that was i think another example of that yeah and defensively i think there were probably more of these things for 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 the aggies i think there were more mistakes the defense obviously gives up 37 points um and it was not so much like big game-changing penalties there were a couple of of important penalties there was a holding there was a pass interference there were a couple that that come to mind but for the defense it was more big one on switzer too late yeah switzer uh i i I was actually going to mention specifically as we talk about this he i i I think anthony switzer is an excellent player i think anthony switzer is a very very important part of this defense he's got to settle down just a little bit He's got to settle down just a little bit. I he... I hate to agree with you, <laughs> but I will. I do. And um, here, I'll let, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, I I want to talk about this too. This is a this is a big part of I think what's going on on defense. So go ahead. I just he could have been ejected like five times. He he it, yeah, too many yeah. too many plays where he left it up to the ref's discretion and they never kicked him out. But like. Dude, stop headhunting. You got to stop headhunting. He, They're going to kick you out of the game. Very, He is very lucky to be able to play the first half of next week's game. Yeah. yeah. Very lucky. Um, I think, let, let, uh, so let's go through this. I think we're both talking about this unnecessary roughness call that was in the fourth quarter. Um, it was called at the time unnecessary roughness. Uh, or yeah right unnecessary roughness with targeting i, I think it might have been um, roughing the passer it was a, right it was, it, yeah, it was one of those the passer yeah. with targeting um they reviewed it they took targeting off of the call which yeah. is fine that i that it was borderline. It, targeting's tough yeah. targeting targeting is tough it was borderline they so he remains in the game but here is another frustration i have with switzer you just cost your team 15 yards you barely barely by the grace of the referee that decided not to kick you out of the game you're barely still playing yeah calm down calm and down. to watch him the rest of that drive i i love switzer i love his energy i love his bag of celebrations when you get hit with an unnecessary roughness or a when you get hit with a personal foul and you with targeting calm down he was celebrating on the very next play in a very big yeah you know, and i get it that's the way he plays i get it you just cost your team 15 yards you're playing a little bit out of control. I would have loved to see him just take the rest of the drive and just focus and yeah. then come back out later and you can be yourself again. But when you get hit with a penalty like that, you have to cool down. And he, yeah. he was unable to do that uh, kind of throughout the night. And he could have been on that next play that he was celebrating. He could have been called for targeting on that one too. Um, like he, he just, it, he didn't really stop doing it. He was you know arriving to tackles late 
and diving on the pile when he just didn't really need to. And and I get the defense wants to play on the edge of out of control. That's the way that they operate. That's the way that they that they win games. But when you're you know, one of the one of the leaders of the team, one of the leaders of the defense, is that significantly out of control that after plays you know, the refs are like talking to him like, dude, you got to, we're going to have to kick. We don't want to kick you out of the game. That's not the call that we want to make. That's a big game changing call, but you are, you will, you will force our hand if you don't settle down. And he just didn't really do it. You you're, you're not only costing your team, you know, like in actual yardage in a tangible way with penalties, you are setting a bad example. <laughs> you are you are sending yes. a bad message to a very young secondary that will take the wrong thing from that. That is not that is not a good model to follow in, in that situation. You got to be you you can't you can't win games out of control, especially in those moments. You got to be calm. No. And and Utah yeah. State managed yeah. to hold Fresno State to a field goal there, and there it would have been a first down conversion anyway on the third and ten. Is they it was a twenty nine yard completion, but just unnecessary. It's it's not. You don't have to do that, and, and I get you want to be physical, you want to set the tone, but it's the fourth quarter, the tone has been set, you're not changing it at this point. you got to stay on the yeah. field. You can't, the, the, exactly. the extra yards are not going to do you any good as the, as the defense. you got to you got to get stops right now, and they weren't really doing that at that point, and, and there were moments like that. There were also a lot of moments for this defense that were not so much, I, I think maybe some of it was out of control, Um overshooting guys pretty badly overshooting things within this offense. And I think that they didn't quite understand the tempo of Fresno state's offense, the tempo of the rushing attack specifically it's delayed. It's slow. It's, it's designed to be slow and Utah state allowed several runs to go much further than they really should have by overshooting its tackles, by being too aggressive in the way that they were playing. And I get it's counterintuitive. It's hard to turn that off, but you got 60 minutes to do it. You got 60 minutes to pick up the tempo, and I don't think the defense ever really did. Um, and, and another place that you see that, uh, and this, this you know stuck out like a sore thumb in in rewatching this game. Utah State had no no interest at all in covering the tight end, even a little bit. And Fresno State just kept throwing to him. They just kept throwing to Trey Watson or whoever the backup tight end was. I don't know his name. And they did it with the same plays. They would they would bring them across the field in motion, or they would send them on like a, a slice block, like you would on split zone, and then just shoot them out into the flats. It's not like that's new. They do that all the time. That's a big part of the offense. And Utah State really never covered it. Linebacker never tracked with it. That's that's the linebacker's job. That's that side of the play, linebacker's job. And and both Switzer and and MJ Tafisi were really, I think, just a little bit too keyed up. And you know, I get it has its moments where it's good against the run. It has its moments where you need to have those bodies in there, but it worked a lot. It worked too much for the offense. You got to adjust. You got to, you got to be a little bit more assignment sound. And I think the defense really wasn't in this game. And it had, it had a lot of really good moments, but it had too many blown coverages, too many missed assignments, too many places where Fresno State didn't necessarily make a play. Utah State just gave it to them, just left somebody open. And you can't, you can't do that in this kind of game. Yeah, I would say, as we've said kind of throughout the show and, and especially at the top, we this is probably the most complete game Utah State has played from start to finish as well as on both sides of the ball. Um, however, the defense did struggle with kind of some of the, the tricks of the past where they'll yeah. play really, really good and then they will not. Um, yeah. And then they'll have some, some blown coverage and blown assignments. That was kind of the story of this game. Uh, they allowed 
Fresno State to really just get in a rhythm. Fresno State, Jeff Tedford is a good coach who likes winning football games. He's going to take what you give him. He's he's not going to be picky about what he's uh, what he's going to do. Yeah. And they yeah that tight end they had they had a couple of plays that just why you know um, and so the defense did struggle I think with some of that uh, and then yeah you mentioned like the overshooting we talked about the penalties it just seemed uh, the defense all around did they found ways to struggle throughout the game in in a performance that I thought was overall pretty yeah uh, pretty solid and at times very very impressive. Um, but definitely showed a lot of weakness and a lot of lack of discipline, maybe even uh, hints of some lack of preparation yeah. um, on the defensive side of the ball. And yeah. that's hard when you're going up against a backup quarterback, but uh, there was something off at, at times with this defense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how you wouldn't be prepared for the tight end on those plays to be the guy who gets the ball. They, they That's like yeah. one of the main plays that Fresno state runs. That's like their, their primary, um, you know, defense is playing too hard against the run. We're going to set up an easy throw for the backup quarterback. That's one of the main things that they do, especially with Fife. It's if you just watch him play ever, you would, you would see that. I went back last last week for the film preview and watched all of the games that he played last or last season. That play is there a ton. They do a ton of stuff like that, and it's 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 hard to cover. They run it for a reason, but you make it a lot harder when you just don't cover it, when you just don't pay attention to the guy and you assume like, well, this is the time that they're not going to throw it to him. Like, nope, they're just going to throw it to him. They're happy to just throw it to him. And in Utah state, I, I don't think was, was super well prepared for an offense that makes no real secret about what it wants to do. Fresno state is pretty, pretty clear about its, about its goals offensively. And Utah state made a lot of really good plays on defense. I think that you could see the talent of the defense shine through in a lot of moments. Um, Avante Dickerson, again, excellent. Just nothing going on on his side of the field throughout the game. Um, Ike Larson made some big plays. The linebackers did make some big plays. The line was, was I think, generally pretty good. I don't think the line was the biggest issue here for Utah State. They, they you know, you could say they would have liked to get more pressure. They did have four sacks. Um, but just, just little things. It was the same as the offense, just little things that make a difference against an offense that is more than willing to just take advantage of little things. Too many of those third downs were coming on the same situations, coming in the same moments where Fresno State is not really changing what it's doing, and Utah State is just kind of letting them do it, <laughs> you know, letting them have it, letting them right. get seven when they needed six, letting them get those, you know, U- Utah State forced. I had the exact numbers. Um, uh, Fresno State was 11 of 18 on third down. Utah State yeah. forced an average yeah. of third and 6.1 on the game and allowed 7.6 yards per try on, on those on those plays. That's just the math is not good there for the defense. You got you to gotta get more stops than that. You got to get off the field. And Utah State didn't force the turnovers that it needed and did not – did not hold up assignment-wise in those situations in, in a way that could have overcome the lack of turnovers. Yeah, that third down efficiency is, yeah, that's right where I was going with this from 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 where you were talking. I mean, that is, that is bad. I mean, so Fresno State converts 11 of 18 of their third downs compared to 3 of 13 for Utah State. Yeah. If I were to tell you those two numbers alone and – you know, ask you what team wins. Um, You're not going to guess that's a five point game. Uh, Utah state needs to be better on both sides of that. But particularly as we've, as we're talking about right now, the defense was giving up um, 
I mean, third down was basically automatic for these Bulldogs. They were they were so comfortable on third downs, which in Maverick Stadium is very difficult to do. It was loud in there. Like it was the fans were engaged. Everything was going as it should. You know, the herd was getting very loud on third down and they would just, you know, take a quick seven to 12 yards every single time. And that was uh, that was a theme of how they, you know, the Bulldogs were just able to continue to extend drives and eventually put up 37 points. Yeah. And it's demoralizing for a defense. You know, it, it, it is, it's a really, really bad yeah. way to have a drive continue is where you've done your job. You forced third down. They forced a lot of third downs. 18 is a lot of third downs. Yep. You just need to get off the field. You just need to do it one more time. And they just could not, for whatever reason, step up in those moments. They had a lot of opportunities. And I think you could say that about the whole game. They had a lot of opportunities and just didn't quite, make the plays in those moments didn't make you know one or two plays short of winning the game and you just got to make them and you got to you got to be in the right spot and they just weren't um for for enough of those enough of those situations um all of this we can we can you know we can say and I think all of it is fair and is something that Utah State needs to address as it moves forward it, it can't it can't keep doing these these things. I don't know that there are a ton of teams left on the schedule who can who can really take advantage. I think that the margins are going to be a lot wider against teams like San Jose State, San Diego State, Nevada, Boise State, which we're going to talk about in the Mountain West recap and and do a victory lap on. I think, um, and uh, and then New Mexico to close the year. Like none of those five teams are as good as Fresno State, but. You just can't get into this as a habit. You can't be doing this because you're you're putting yourself in a worse situation. You're making things harder on yourself. You done you did the hard part. You got to third down. You got to third and pretty long consistently. Just get off the field. <laughs> just make one more play, yeah. and they just they yep. couldn't make that one more play enough. Yeah, and we've we've talked about bad habits throughout the year. You know, the first quarter bad habit, which was probably the most explicit that we saw. They kicked it. They're yep. capable of doing that. They're yep. capable of, of seven finding to seven. bad habits. And yeah, seven to seven, but not only seven to seven. I mean, obviously, you know, Fresno State scores first and they give up a touchdown, you know, but just watching and being in the stadium and feeling that game, boy, was that a different team in the first quarter. Boy, were they ready to play. Um, Fresno State is going to score, you know, in the first quarter. They, they're going to score every quarter. They're going to score a lot. Um, but boy, were these guys ready to play in the first quarter. So they were able to kick that habit, but that's just another one of those things we've talked about. You can't give an extra team. You can't give a team all these extra points. You can't start 17 to zero. um, And they've made that adjustment. This is another one. You can't give up that many third down uh, conversions. Yeah. Um, I'm anxiously waiting to see if they can eliminate that nasty habit from their, uh, you know, from, from themselves, just purge that out of them because that's a nasty habit. We talk about, you know, you can't afford it yeah the the rest of the schedule is favorable um but there are teams here you know of of the teams left san jose san diego state um nevada boise new mexico there are teams that will make you pay if you cannot stop a team on third down uh there are a few teams on on this schedule that'll make you pay for it yeah that is uh you gotta play the first quarter you gotta play third down get those two things uh, under control and get those two things uh, ready and <laughs> this Utah State team is really really good. Yeah, and, and my my last thing on the third downs, and then I do want to talk about the fact that Utah State, despite all of this that we've talked about, was in this game to the very end and had a chance to go and win it, and and why I think that was. 
Um, the last thing on the third downs, Fresno State converted at least one third down on all but one of its scoring drives. The last one, the the final scoring drive, they didn't need it. On all of the other ones, Utah State bail, bailed them out on third down. Um, that that hurts. That that hurts a defense to have that happen. And obviously, sometimes they're going to convert. Sometimes any you you know even if you play. Even if you play perfectly, sometimes Fresno State is going to move the chains on third down. Sometimes it's going to happen. It's, it's you know, there's no such thing as a perfect defensive game against these guys. It's a good offense. It's a really good offense with a lot of talent. Um, they're good at what they do, and they have a very strong identity and a coach who has who has played to that identity for decades and, and has a lot of experience doing it. They're going to they're gonna find a way, but it's too many you know, even on even in the first quarter you know where, where Utah State I think was ready to go was was up for the task you see on that that first scoring drive for Fresno State third and five 28 yard completion third and six seven yard completion third and one two yard run and then they score a couple plays later it's just that's three on one drive you had the chance to get off the field and they couldn't do it um, so despite all of this Utah State scored 32 points and had the chance to go down and win the game and I think the the defense deserves some credit for the way that it played. I think the defense did make some plays. They had four sacks. Um, they were generally, you know, uh, aggressive, and that aggression worked out in some places. I thought some guys played specifically really well. Um, Blaine Spires, I thought, was good again. I was, I was glad to see him continuing to get more snaps. Uh, Paul Fitzgerald gets another sack, his second in three games. He is starting to figure some things out, I think, in the way he plays. The tackles, I thought, were good in general. Halle and, and, and Cindy Tuiaki. Um, Avante Dickerson, I mentioned. Ike Larson, MJ Defici, and Anthony Switzer for, for the mistakes they made. They combined for 27 tackles. That's a lot of tackles for your linebackers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the big reason that Utah State was able to do this is something that we have not talked about a ton as we work through these 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 little things that defined the game. Um, and we'll we'll break out of that now with this. Uh, Parker, Utah State's offense is preposterously good. They are unbelievably good <laughs> at what they do. And I think it's going to be the case, no matter who's the quarterback moving forward, I think there's going to be a lot of you know conversation about that this week, as it sounds like McKay Hillstead is getting very close to ready to go and, and could be prepared to go this week. Um, I, I will say personally, this is not reporting. This is my opinion. I think he's probably going to return to the starting spot. I think you can understand exactly why Utah state would make that decision. Um, given that it has already made that decision this season and, and Cooper Lega has handled this situation extremely well, but McKay Hillstead has a different level to his game as a passer that Utah state, I think once, um, I would be, I would be pretty surprised if he is not the starter again. I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot who you put back there at quarterback ultimately because Utah State set a new uh, season high against Fresno State's defense. Fresno State had not allowed more than 133 rushing yards this season. Utah State ran for 205. Roswell Faison, Davon Booth also got 43 yards from Laga um, and, and Robert Briggs all making plays here, kind of breaking through in the second half in the way that they that they you know are designed to do. Um, and then the passing attack, <laughs> dude, Jalen Royals. Wow. Jalen Royals is a, I said as much on Twitter, he's a man among boys. 
He is playing a child's game. This is a professional football player who is playing college football for the rest of the year. He's biding his time. This is an NFL player. Seven receptions on eight targets for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Fresno State was able to slow him down in the second half a little bit because they just put two guys on him on every play. They just just double-teamed him um, because nobody on that team could keep up with him. He is unstoppable. He's completely unstoppable with one guy. Nobody can nobody can keep pace with him. He's too fast. And then he also catches everything. He goes up and, and makes a catch in the first quarter up over, um, I think it was Auxilian Hamilton, the number two cornerback. That is a mismatch. That is, that, is, that is quite the mismatch. And he goes up and makes the play. Uh, in the second quarter, he beats the number one corner, Carlton Johnson. At this point, Fresno State had realized what was going on. Um, he was being shadowed as well by a very experienced veteran safety in Dean Clark. Um, beats Johnson off the line of scrimmage, uh, goes up, catches the ball just in front of Clark, and then as he is landing, just bounces right off of Clark, just just muscles through him for a 52-yard, eventually a 52-yard touchdown. Um, he's unbelievable. I, I, I cannot fathom that utah state has i i think a receiver who as a as a complete player as a as a weapon is even more dangerous than terrell vaughn who was excellent in this game but jalen royals is an nfl player he he is fantastic six foot you know six yeah. foot 195 pounds runs a sub four three catches everything routes are great blocking is great he is a complete player right now and he's playing with a ton of confidence too um they're just they, these yes. receivers are just phenomenal Jalen Royals in his last three games, which is kind of when he had that breakout against UConn, which yeah. we said at the time, it it's not a fluke. He proved it the following week. And then again, now in the last three games, he has seven touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And quite That's a few a yards lot. as well. He's gone, he's gone, up over, I, yeah. Yeah, gone up over a hundred, all three, all three of those games. I mean, <laughs> you, you saw glimpses of it against James Madison. I think he had seven receptions in that game. But his just this stretch that he is that he is having right now, this four game stretch, I'll see if I can find the stats. I pulled them for the uh, for the cover story. Um, He now has if I can find it. Hmm. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe I can't find it. Um, I don't know where I put it. He has a lot of yards in the last four games. Yeah, 27 receptions for 507 yards and seven touchdowns against James Madison, which is a very good defense, UConn, Colorado State, and another very good defense here in Fresno State. Nobody's stopping him. Nobody is covering this guy. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is so good. You mentioned the you know, the cornerback situation, which we will get to that more. If not this show, then for sure, as we prepare for yeah. uh, for the upcoming game against San Jose State, that's going to be uh, the topic of a lot of conversation. We're going to talk more about it. Um, I don't know how much it matters. I know it matters. I know. I know. I don't know how much. the The strength of this offense, as much as we want it to be the quarterback, as much as it's fun to have a quarterback that we can all get behind, um, the strength of this offense is our three receivers and our three runners. It's it's we have yeah. a really really good top three running backs. We have a really 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 good uh, top three receivers, and that's the strength of the offense. Um, the strength of the offense is a guy like Jalen Royals, who was supposed to be the second or third best player um, in that room, just absolutely playing out of his mind. Yeah, um, might be the Micah best, Davis kind of like might be one of the best players in the g5 right now with with how he's not just not just one of the best receivers one of the best players he is 
I think probably the best player in the state of Utah right now. There's, there's nobody is doing it like Jalen Royal. Yeah, I, I was gonna say state of Utah and the conference. He is one of the best players of both. I mean, this guy yeah. is playing so so well. Um, Micah Davis kind of solidifying as kind of the number three guy. Terrell Vaughn is still really really good. Yeah, um, that's quite a number say, three like, guy. If Micah to have. Davis is yeah. your number three, yeah, that's my point. <laughs> if he's your third best player. Wow, or your third best receiver, um, you're you're fine, and yeah. it almost doesn't matter who's throwing the ball to him. It does, I know. I'm oversimplifying, yeah. Um, but I'm doing it to just make a point. These receivers are so good, yeah. Um, and our you know our rushing is good too, and it's kind of led by you know similar kind of three guys, Faison Booth and Briggs. Um, but it is not quite as elite, and it's not quite as uh, it's not the same. Our receivers, yeah. those three are very, very good. Yeah, and and I think that Cooper Bassett, the uh, the or Bassett, the offensive line coach, has you know he designs a lot of the rushing game. I think he's got a grip on it and and has understood how to best use these guys a little bit and how to block for them. They're doing more, uh, a lot more gap blocking. They're pulling guys more often. I think they have the athletes up front to do that. If you have Falapulealo yeah. and you're not pulling him, you are making a mistake. <laughs> you need to. That guy needs yeah. to be in open space. He's he's just too quick. Um, they're doing a lot more of that, and they're getting more creative with the run design, and it's paying off. Um, the halfbacks, the three halfbacks, all complement each other, I think, really well, just as the as the wide receivers do. Um, I, I even I, I thought there was some really good quarterback run design in this game that we haven't really seen a ton in this offense recently. There were some yeah. draws yeah. that I liked a lot where they have a halfback inserting as a lead blocker, or there was even a play in the first quarter. I don't know if they went back to this, but they had Brock Lane in the backfield as a as sort of a fullback insert yep. for, for a, a fourth-and-one conversion on a on a Cooper Lega dive. I like that. I like the creativity. I think they're getting a much better understanding of how to run behind this line and how to use these backs, and, and obviously are. the results are what the results are. Nobody has run even close to as well as, as, as this against this defense is a really good run defense. Um, the, I yeah. think the previous high for yards per carry against these guys was 3.7. Utah state was up around 4.9. Um, it was, it was a good day. It was a good day on the ground, but the passing it attack was, is, yeah. is the, is the main attraction. 363 yards for the guy. Um, I, and, and like you said, I think we're probably going to talk more about the quarterback situation on the preview. I don't know that we're going to get a ton more clarity, uh, from, from Utah state by then, because usually after Monday, it's pretty quiet. There's a coach's show. I think we might get a little bit more from that because it sounds like today is kind of the, the day that they will be seeing if, if McKay is cleared, if he has, if he has taken that next step in his recovery and is good to start practicing fully and good to start going fully. He was in the stadium, which is a good step. He was not there. I don't think last, uh, last week against Colorado state for obvious reasons. You don't really want a guy to be in a very loud (laughs) environment when he's recovering from a concussion. He was back there. (laughs) I think he's close. Um, I, I would not be surprised if he plays. I think the big difference as we'll talk about on the preview is just, some of those deep balls that were that were you know that are overthrown or underthrown in other circumstances under Laga, you don't quite yeah. have that that inconsistency with McKay. He just puts it on the money, and that can make a difference. These receivers are good enough to go and make a play on an underthrown deep ball. There's only so much you can do about one that's five yards over your head, and I don't think that yeah. there are those same concerns with McKay. Cooper's a very good player. Cooper's a starting caliber quarterback. He has proven it, um, but I, I think he might just be. 
kind of unlucky with with the arrival of a guy who was very special but the 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 strength of the offense is going to be the receivers no matter who's back there these guys are fantastic yeah and that's one thing like I'm, I'm glad you brought it up like these guys are you know these receivers are kind of hard to overthrow if we're being honest like yeah. they they're fast um if you are overthrowing them i get that there's other things you know going on there's the pressure and there's uh, there's other things. It's not quite as simple as just the fact that these guys are fast and it should be hard to overthrow them, but um, they're also really good athletes. They should be able to come back and, and make a play on an underthrown ball. And so if you're, when you're still seeing overthrown and underthrown balls with athletes like this, um, yeah, it, it's worth looking into what could be going on there. And I don't yeah. think, you know, as, as we've, you know, we've talked about this, I, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Cooper. Um, it's just that I, I have a lot of good to yeah. say about McKay. I'm really, really impressed with him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think it is it is not even, I don't think it has to be a slight to say that, like, yeah, Cooper is not the passer that McKay is just physically. He The, the throws are not quite the same. And he's done yeah. more than enough, even even as more of a limited passer, as somebody who can extend plays a little bit better. Um, he is he's more than good enough to lead the offense. I think the offense will be very good no matter who is doing it. It is just a different it's a different strategy. It's a different approach, and I think one that fits Utah State a little bit better is the one where the quarterback is putting the ball fifty yards down the field and and hitting guys in stride rather than them having to come back for it. Because Fresno State was in the second half especially really undercutting deep routes. They were they were not paying they were not paying a ton of respect to the deep ball and it hurt them a couple times and it usually didn't other than that and the receivers are still good enough to make plays but Utah State would love to have just that little bit extra I think within the passing yeah. attack and and it's I mean it's you're you're adding you're adding you're adding good to good already right like they they they're doing just fine without it but I, I think that that will be a a consideration um, regardless, the offense is good. I, I think the offense is is yeah. firmly good yeah. and and probably only going to get better from uh, from here. And fast too. They're they're playing exactly how they want to play. That's one thing. It's kind of the hallmark of a of a great defense versus a good defense. Uh, a good defense takes what's there. A good defense uh, wins games, gets a lot of yards. Uh, a great defense does it how it wants to. And, you know, these guys, uh, when they're at their best, which they're starting to, to settle into, they're controlling the pace of the entire game, not just their own drives. They uh, they control the pace of the game. They're tiring out the opposing defense. They're, they're playing the game they want to, and they're doing a really great job at it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the other side of that that I'm really impressed with is uh, they, they play fast and it's it's working and it's starting to work really well. Yep. Um, I think that is actually, I think that's all I have on this game. Um, unless you have anything else, we can, we can roll through a, a an, an interesting slate in the mountain West here real quick. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to the mountain West. What a crazy, crazy week. Let's take a look at some of these games because, uh, yeah, it was a fun weekend. If you went to bed early on Saturday, you are missing out. <laughs> yeah. First up here, the 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 marquee game of the week, not uh, outside of Logan, um, is uh, is Air Force thirty four at home over Wyoming twenty seven. Wyoming scores the first fourteen points of the game. Air Force loses its starting quarterback Zach Larrier and has two fumbles from the backup. Jensen Jones on his first two drives. I think it was like two of the first three plays that he took or fumbles. Um, and yet, for all of the good you can say about what Wyoming did here, and Wyoming I thought played really, really well. Andrew Peasley is is just playing out of his mind right now. And 
that offense, I think, is is operating at full capacity. The defense did a really good job. Um, all of this is true, and also Air Force ran for 356 yards, and it found a way. They are really, 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 really good. The Falcons are very good. I hope Zach Larrier is okay. I don't know the extent of his of his injury, but when this game came down to it, when it came down to the final minutes, um, Air Force's defense steps up, forces a missed field goal, um, forces a field goal in the first place that Wyoming misses, and then um, just gets into space. And, and it's it's John Lee Eldridge who does the job and, and takes the ball, I think, 58 yards for a touchdown um, to uh, to give them the game-winning score. Air Force, when the game was on the line, just made plays, and, and they are so, so impressive. I, I, I have a hard time seeing anybody beating them after this one. I, I, unless Larrier's injury is long-term, maybe they can be, you know, maybe, maybe somebody could catch them, but like, they're, they're really, really strong. They're strong in everything that they do and they responded the right way to adversity. They are. Yeah. So this was the, uh, this was the Patrick Mayhorn chili bowl of the week. Yeah. Um, and it did not disappoint. I think you're, uh, that was spot on. This was a big old bowl of chili. Um, Air Force just Air Force just gets it done is going to be the tagline kind of of this team. They have they've already proven everything that they need to prove to me. They've played good teams, um, one really really good team, obviously in Wyoming. Um, Wyoming is also going to go on to win a lot of games. They have only lost two. This is their first conference loss. Their first loss coming uh, in Austin to Texas. Um, Air Force is very very good uh and they they get it done yep they get it done um air force now moves on to a little bit of non-conference play they still have two non-conference games left they're at navy this week uh they also have army the first week of november um their remaining conference games they're at colorado state at hawaii home against unlv and at boise state they're gonna i think they're probably gonna do some damage in these in these last six games they're good um wyoming also gonna do some damage wyoming gets a a well-earned bye week here and then is at boise state colorado state at home at unlv hawaii at home and then at nevada i'd be pretty surprised if these two are not playing again in in december um i mentioned that they're headed next after their bye week to boise state let's go next to boise state colorado state which is um (laughs) there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about in this football game, but I think the number one place that you probably have to start is that Boise State was ahead by 20 points with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and lost this football game. Um, I mean... Wow. Wow. This was, this was, yeah. uh, this was out there. Colorado state wins on a Hail Mary. Um, Boise state just, oh, just man. collapsed, just totally collapsed. I don't know what happened. They just collapsed. They take their first ever loss as a program to Colorado state with Dirk cutter in the booth, call, in the booth, calling the game. Um, I can't imagine that he was, uh, I can't imagine that he was thrilled with what he saw from, <laughs> from, uh, from the man who is now uh, now helming the ship that he helped to build. I don't think Andy Avalos is doing an especially good job of that, given that he just blew a 20-point lead in four minutes. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, we're not the only ones to think that his no. job may be on the line. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to overreact. I'm not affiliated with this program at all, but just from kind of what I'm hearing and seeing, um, he might not finish the season depending on how this goes. I know that they're not happy about this at all. It's very, very, I don't like the idea of firing of firing a head coach mid season. I 
don't think that's a good idea if it can be avoided. Boise State is very upset with this loss. Yeah. Um, and and you know what? Reason. Probably rightfully so. <laughs> this was the first time in history that Colorado State has ever beat Boise State. Um, and Boise State now sitting there with a losing record. This is not a particularly good Colorado State team that they lost to. Um, Boise State should be frustrated and they might have some serious issues. We've been talking about that all all year. They seem to keep getting it done. This week is the exception, but they might have some serious issues. Um, this game was supposed to be empty calories. It was the uh, the potato chips bowl, as you as you dubbed it. Um, yeah. This one you couldn't have been further off. This was a yeah. This was wild. Yeah. This was coffee or an energy drink on an empty stomach. That's what <laughs> yeah. this game was. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's that's fair. Unless you uh, unless you take a lot of energy from potato chips, which some people do. I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been known to enjoy a potato chip. There's a guy out at the uh, at the farmers market here who makes his own potato chips with with. Uh, with you know homegrown potatoes and everything they're they're very good they're very good chips um maybe it was one of those but yeah probably an energy (laughs) drink probably a coffee on an empty stomach um the issue here for for boise state now um of of several (laughs) there are there are some issues Uh i think the the really the only thing you could point to here in this game that wasn't an issue is ashton genty uh 31 carries 212 yards and three touchdowns he's gonna make some school very happy next year and it's not gonna be these guys (laughs) um his uh his position coach the guy who recruited him i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say this and i'm just gonna leave it in the ether um he's at oregon state oregon state would love to have this guy playing halfback for them next season um, um and and just you know not well not necessarily wishing right about, that on the yeah. mountain west but just something to keep an eye on you're right about one thing he is going to make at least one school happy but i'll tell you what there are 10 teams in the mountain west 11 teams in the mountain west <laughs> that will also be very happy next year um ashton genty is oh man he is good he's a He's, he's a, a dog. He's he, yeah. very, very good at football. Yeah. You just can't stop him. There's there's no answer for him. Um, Boise State always seems to just have a really, really good running back. Um, so the scary thing about that is if, if Ashton Genty does indeed leave, um, there's some 18-year-old kid sitting in a, call, in, a, in a high school classroom right now that's just going to do the same thing next year. Yep. Um, and so that is, that's, you know, the, the good news, bad news part of that. But man, is he good. He's fun to watch. Um, it's going to be fun to watch him for almost all the rest of the season. It might not be uh, too much fun when he uh, comes to Logan the second to last week of the season, but uh, outside of that game, he's very fun to watch. Yeah, and the issue for Boise State is, unfortunately for for them, he's all they have. He's the only guy on the team. They have nothing else. There's yeah. this yep. this passing attack was not good. Maddox Madsen, ten of sixteen for 110 yards and an interception. Taylor Green playing a very weird role here, just kind of coming in seemingly at random. Five of eight for 28 yards with an interception of his own. Um, Genty also, I'll mention, had five receptions for 42 yards, both of which led the team. It's it. He's the whole offense. It's it's all him. Um, and and Boise State now in a situation where they, I think they really, really, really needed this win for the sake not only of trying to continue yeah. to compete in the Mountain West, but which I don't think they were ever going to do. But you, you look at the rest of the schedule here. They get a bye week, um, and then it's home against Wyoming, at Fresno State, home against New Mexico, at Utah State, home against Air Force. Um, they're three and four. They got to win three of those games to get to to get to bowl eligibility. You can beat New Mexico, I would hope, at home. 
I don't know yeah. that they're winning any of those other four games. It, it could it could very very easily be four and eight for Andy Avalos, and I don't think he survives that. I don't know that he no. survives. You know, losing to lose. I I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I anti. You know, you're anti firing a, a coach in the season. How would you feel about Andy Avalos being fired in Logan after losing to Utah State? Very, very pro. Yeah. Uh, very, I, very pro I, Andy Avalos getting fired in Logan. I think that is yeah. a distinct possibility because that would put them without the, the chance to get 500 against Air Force. Um, they would be sitting um, at 4-7 and seven at that point. Yeah, so I am now becoming obsessed with this idea in the past five seconds. Yeah. Um, I want them to just leave. I, I want the team boss to just leave them. Just leave them there. I, I, want, I want to beat them so bad that they just leave Andy Avalos and they just come back to Boise, just hop on the bus with nobody. I'm going to have to, um, after that game ends, I'm going to have to run outside real quick, see if he gets on the bus. <laughs> yeah, he might not if uh, if Utah State wins that game. I um, Again, Utah State fans know better than to rejoice quite yet. This is a team that um, moving in the, moving forward in the next couple of weeks, they have a bye and then they get, get going again. Um, it'll be fun to watch. Is this Broncos team broken or are they going to be desperate? I yeah. don't want to see a Broncos team with some fire and with uh, their backs up against the wall. I'd love to see a broken Broncos team come to Logan. That would yeah. be fun, but it will be interesting to see how they respond to a very, very low point of the season and probably of the, of the decade. I, I'm not sure they've had a, had a moment this low in, in quite some time. Yeah. And, uh, I would say if you are a team that is worrying about being broken, if you're a team that, that has to you know fight with your backs against the wall, coming out of a bye week, I get you get the week off, you get to get a little bit healthier. That's all good news. I, I think maybe the two worst, two of the three worst teams in this conference who you could play in those next two games are the teams on their schedule, Wyoming and Fresno State. Yeah. Those are not good yeah. matchups for a team that's going through this. Air Force would be the only other one where you're like, oh, we really, we really, actually, really don't want to play those guys right now. Yeah, playing um, in Laramie and then in Colorado Springs would be the only thing worse than what they have. They, yeah, they, they get a tough draw after the bye week. Yeah, it's still pretty bad. Welcoming Wyoming, I mean, there's a very good chance that they lose on their home field to Wyoming. I think Wyoming is not really going to... Uh, I don't know that Wyoming needs to pay them a ton of mind. I think Wyoming is, is going to just sort of physical its way through that one. If yeah. you get bullied by Colorado State, I have really bad news for you about what Wyoming is going to do. Um, yeah. And uh, and Fresno State is, I think, just better. <laughs> just, just a better team with better players. Um, it, could, it could get really, really rough here, and I don't think it is impossible at all to imagine a world where the Utah State game is the is the breaking point if Boise State doesn't get it done there. Um, as much as Utah State would, would love to be, you know, winning that game or, or, or competitive in that game every single season, that is one that Boise State expects to win given the recent history of the series, and I think that it would be pretty... It would be pretty bad news in in that program if they were to lose that game for uh, for Andy Avalos. I don't know that he would. I don't know that he would survive that. Um, even if Utah State yeah, is good, I which I think yeah. it is, it's just that's not a game that Boise State wants to lose, and it would come at a really you know at a really bad time. Um, yeah, and not just recent history, by the way. Um, that is. Uh... Uh, Utah State fans might not know this. This is a number that surprises me every time I look it up, yeah. um, which I just did. Boise State leads that series 22 to 5. Yeah. Yeah. Utah State has only beat the Broncos five times, which is uh, that's about as lopsided as it can be. And it, it shouldn't be, certainly. It doesn't feel like it is, maybe. But uh, yeah, definitely a game that they expect to win in yeah. Logan. 
They they don't care. They expect to win that game every year. Yeah, and Utah State would love to prove them wrong this time around. Yes, we yes we uh, would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, the last three in the conference. Not a ton to take from these three. The big two were really the ones leading the way. But UNLV forty five over Nevada twenty seven. San Jose State takes care of business fifty two to twenty four against New Mexico, and San Diego State escapes at Hawaii forty one to thirty four. Um, anything here on, on these three? Yeah, so I'll just I'll just add the note. Now, Nevada is still looking for their first win on the season. Yeah, uh, not good. Things are really really ugly in Reno. Um, they are they're not good. Um, their fans have every right to be frustrated. Um, opposing teams uh, in the conference, opposing programs have every right to be frustrated with um, Nevada's lack of investment and effort. Uh, what they're doing is is uniquely bad. Um, that's disappointing. And then I'll also just add, I'm not sure where you want to go with this, but San Diego State might be as bad as we thought they were. They are yeah. really, really struggling <clears throat> against that they, uh, Hawaii had every chance to pull that off, unable to do so because Hawaii is also uh, in, the, in the midst of what you might call a rebuild. Um, San Diego State is they might be broken as well. They yeah. are not looking good. Yeah, San Diego State's two leading rushers here against a run defense that is not really anything that stands out, you know, to you in in, in Hawaii's run defense. Uh, they they both had 53 yards. Jaden Maiden carried 13 times for 53 yards. He's also the quarterback, and uh, Cam Davis, uh, 10 carries for 53 yards. Just not the not the San Diego State team of of old. Um, the defense also did not, you know, fare especially well. Hawaii outgained them by more than a hundred yards. Hawaii can do that. Hawaii, you know, passes the ball quite a bit and threw for 427 yards here, but um, it's just not what it was for San Diego State right now. I don't, I don't know that they're going to. Uh, I don't know that they're going to find it this year. I think they might just be this. I think it might just be a down year for them. Um, yeah. The the last one, San Jose State. Of note for Utah State because that's who's next on the schedule. Um, it was it was a much needed I think get right game for these guys. They were down at halftime, 17 to 14, and that was just about it. They came out and put uh, 48 points on the board in the second half. Um, good game here from Chevin Cordiero, who is just a good player, just a really good player. He was yep. he didn't throw the ball a ton. He was eight of 17, but he gained 272 yards and two touchdowns on those completions. Um, they're, they're, they're getting going with the rushing attack as well. Kyrie Robinson had a good game. Uh, Quali Conley also had a good game. This is one of the better games that they have had on the ground. I think that that team is, as we'll talk about on Thursday, limited. The, the, the defense is not very good. Um, the offense has some guys, but is sort of going through an identity shift here out of, out of necessity. Um, and, uh, a good win for San Jose state, but does not really change totally my my view of this team i think it's a good offense with a defense that's struggling and and uh, you know not a ton of answers against better opponents i don't think new mexico's especially especially good this year yeah i would agree with that assessment i mean it's it, it's new mexico they did show uh show some weakness i think against a really uh really not good new mexico team in the first half of course they do turn it right around in the second half and do what they should have done the whole game so um they they do take care of business, but I'm 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 unimpressed. Uh, Fifty two points is a lot to score, but I I don't think I'm impressed with this win against New Mexico. New Mexico's just not uh, they're not good right now. They're having a tough 
year or yeah. series of years, I guess, is more accurate. But, decade. Um, <laughs> been kind uh, of a tough rough decade. existence. Yeah. They're a basketball school. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, unimpressed with that. But uh, I think those those three games went just about the way we uh, probably thought they would have. And uh, as you mentioned, the, the two games, Air Force, Wyoming, Colorado State, Boise State kind of leading the way in terms of um, entertainment value as well as conference and implications. But um, overall, a good week. And that's uh, that's par for the course in the Mountain West. It's a fun week. Yep. Yep. I think that's all we have here for this one. We will be back with the preview that we have referenced a couple times here of the San Jose State game. Utah State heading to San Jose uh, for a uh, pretty big game for, for both teams. Both parties involved. Utah State gets a bye after that. Uh, just has one more until it can get that break and, and get you know get a little bit closer to healthy, get some things figured out. Uh, we, will be, we will be back soon with a full breakdown of that game.